I'm Luka Doncic and this is Locked On Mavericks Podcast. This is gonna be huge. 360 in the contract. Never that. I just take the contact. I bring it back. I'm running on the fast break behind the back. Yeah, this that, this that, this that. Jerk with the And welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Angstead. And joining me, as always, my co-host, contributor at Mavs.com. What you got for me, Isaac Harris? Whew. Rough weekend. It was a heartbreaking weekend. This is what... For Isaac, expectation For me. Okay. This is what expectations do to you. And I had... It was kind of funny because I had some Houston Texans fans in my life give me heck on Saturday. I If you listen to this pod, you know I love the Baltimore Ravens. I've loved them since I was uh, 10 years old. And the expectations when you're the one seed, this would be like Dallas going on a huge win streak in the second this half of the season. This would be like Dallas they, winning 67 games and losing in the first round. Yes. Okay. Oh, yes. Um, it's a real and, real life example right there. It is, and you have Lamar, and I mean, Lamar's about to get up and have his MVP speech a la Dirk Nowitzki in 06-07 after suffering the worst, you know, playoff loss probably, you know, of of history because there's expectations and all this stuff. And so anyway, kind of like Texans fans, going back to that, they gave me heck on Saturday after the first quarter on Sunday. They were up on the Chiefs, feeling confident. They expected the win, and then your souls get ripped out from your body. And it was a rough experience. And I was at the Mavs game. People were, you know, DM me saying, "Which screen are you watching?" I'm like, "Well, I don't know if you want to call like real life a screen. The Mavericks yeah. <laughs> get the biggest screen because I'm at the game." But like, literally, media people were walking over, like grabbing my shoulder. It'll get better, bro. It's good. And like Mike Peasley, ESPN, love Mike. He's the best. He literally walked past me and just like put his hand on me and say, hey, they're going to come back. It'll be fine. I got this. You lied to me, Mike. You lied to me. No, uh, the Ravens didn't come back, and it was, it was brutal. And that's all we're going to talk about the Ravens today. On today's podcast, we will break down the Mavericks game over the Philadelphia 76ers, a good win that they got even without Joel Embiid. I'm not, I'm not for people that that say, like, when you ask, okay, you know, the Mavs got a win. Yeah, they did, but it was without Embiid. Like, don't qualify wins. Just take the wins, right? Like, we don't have to qualify these wins. Yeah. Just take them as they come, right? So we'll break down that game. We didn't have a post-game pod after that, so we'll break down that. And then Isaac and I have done a little study that we're working on as far as experience in the NBA. And specifically, we're just looking at today in the Western Conference among the top seven teams and the experience the Mavericks have in the NBA and in the playoffs and how that correlates right now to team success. And so we want to talk about that because the numbers are kind of interesting. So we'll get into that. All right, Isaac, let's get into this game. So Philly uh, came out of the gates kind of swinging, right? Like they were were playing the Mavericks pretty well at the beginning. First quarter, it was 20-22, so nothing really outlandish had happened. Um and then in the second quarter, Philly got up to their largest lead, which was 12 points, and they ended up uh, with 40 seconds left in the half. They were still up by 12. Mavericks hit a three, or got uh, Luca got three free throws, or something happened at the end of the first half, and the Mavericks went into the second went into the second half only having scored 41 points, which is just a very rare occurrence. Uh, they were down by nine, 
And then the third quarter came. But that first half, is there anything else that stuck out to you? Because to me, it was just the Mavs are struggling offensively. There's so many just arms, and the, the Sixers do really well contesting every shot. It just seemed like the Mavericks couldn't get any space anywhere. And then uh, the Sixers got a ton of offensive boards, too. Yeah, man. You know, obviously they put Ben Simmons on Luka. You knew that was going to happen. Um, you know, for Luka, Ben Simmons is one of the best players in the league to really defend him. And you know, Luka still had you know a good night. But uh, even Luka said it after game when asked about Ben Simmons guarding him. He said, "Hey, he's one of the you know best defenders in the league." And so he, I mean, he recognizes everyone recognizes that and. You know, they played really fast, you know, which you expect them to. You know, when you lose Embiid, you're just going to, kind of like the Lakers when they didn't have AD, you just get up and go. And they let Ben Simmons kind of do his thing. And, uh, the, yeah, we can talk about Ben Simmons more in a little bit. But I thought Al Horford uh, had a pretty, uh, pretty good game. You know, he, fin- he only finished with 16, but uh, hit three threes in the game. I'm curious. Be I fun mean, I to have him have on this Mavs team. It'd be fun to have him on the snap scene. That was something we were pulling for this summer. Yeah, yeah. Man, it would be fun. I don't know about that contract and the age and stuff, yeah. but I'm curious to see if they'll be able to, if they do shop him at the deadline. But literally in the in the press box after the first half, uh, I literally looked at somebody and we're like, this sucks. Like, I mean, it was just <laughs> a brutal, brutal first half. There's so many different fouls, and it was just, uh, for me, it was just boring to watch. And, you know, and the Mavericks just defensively, they they just sucked. They just didn't. Even Boban in his post game presser, he said, "I don't want to make excuses in it." He said, "But we were just tired from the night before. You know, it's the second night of a back to back. They had the Lakers the night before, and and you know something that Rick Carlisle did at post game, he gave a shout out to Mike Weiner, and Mike Weiner is assistant coach for the Mavericks. Uh, doesn't talk hardly at all. And especially when it comes to halftime, Luca talked about this. Rick Carlisle talked about it. Uh, Luca only talked about it because Rick talked about it. But Rick gave him a shout out saying that at halftime, Mike Weiner lit into the team. And he said, he shouted him out and said, hey, this guy who never talks at halftime, he <laughs> never speaks up like this. This isn't his role. It's not just like a him thing. It's just not really his role. And he stepped up and he challenged the team defensively and challenged them to, hey, this second half, we need to turn things around. And boy, did they <laughs> turn things around because that was the definition of that. And I, I ran into Mike Weiner after Rick Carlos post game presser. He was walking down the hallway. I said, Hey coach. Uh, I said, Rick just gave you a shout out post game. And he's like, what do you mean? I was like, <laughs> Hey, he, you know, he said you gave a, a pretty good halftime speech and he looked at me and he's like, really? He's like, well, the players play. And he said, it's all, it's all for the players. So he just deflected that. And he's like, I'm not going to, he like, didn't I was take in the any credit for it and stuff, but <laughs> I just, I, I love Rick giving him uh, that shout out and Luca, Said it meant a lot after the game, and Luca even said he's like, "Hey, he never he never really talks at halftime at all," and he did. So uh, um, it was cool, and so uh, I like seeing underneath the hood, if that means. (laughs) Yeah, that that makes sense. Yeah, behind the scenes, pull back the curtain, inside baseball, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that that's huge. Uh, And you wonder at this point in the season, a young team. They've heard Carlisle's voice over and over again. They're you're getting close to four, you know, halfway through the season now. And they're in this rough patch, and I'm sure they've heard the inspirational, you know, J.J. Barea quotes, the inspirational Carlisle quotes, just over and over. Even Mosley, who's 
assistant coach who's been around a lot. Uh, Steven Silas, who took over when Carlisle got ejected. I'm sure they've heard those guys over and over again. And just to hear a different voice, I bet it's huge for this team. And, uh, yeah, I bet that that was massive. So, obviously, in the third quarter, they go on this run. So, coming up, let's get into the Mavericks run run because it was fun. It was very Bobon-full. And um, Bobon-full? Bobon-filled? Yes. It was Bobon-full. Bobiful. It was Bobiful. And uh, Maxi did something incredible in this game, too. So, we'll break that down. But but before we do, Isaac Harris. Mm. You got any New Year's resolutions? Um... I'm still working on them. I try to have a slogan or a word for the new year every year. Ooh, do you have a word? I do. Would you like me to share it? You don't have to, but you can. No, I'll pass. All Let's right. keep going. My word is echelon. Echelonfit.com. You can discover their best and connected fitness bikes that offer a high-quality at-home cycling experience at less than half the price of Peloton. I'm sure you've seen those all over the place exercise bikes at home that you can have you don't have to go to a class you don't have to go you know somewhere else you don't have to leave your house you can put it in your garage you can put it wherever and you have your bike there at your house you have you know connected to an ipad they, you there's you can get an ipad with echelons if you go to their website go to uh echelonfit.com slash locked on and or l-o-n-b-a so echelonfit.com slash l-o-n-b-a you can find out how you can get a free iPad with your purchase. Fascinating. But half the price of Peloton, a daily live and on-demand studio classes right in your home. You'll never have to step foot in a gym. You'll never have to show up. I'm sure right now all the gyms are just so full with people. If I was a gym-going person, I'm sure I'd be very annoyed right now. However, I am not. You can join the thousands of men and women who are getting fit with Echelon. Again, Echelon, it's your time right now. That's E-C-H-E-L-O-N fit dot com slash l-o-n-b-a to get yours half the price of peloton go check it out echelon exercise bikes all right isaac you're not going to share your word no okay that's fine now everyone's going to want to know your word including me (laughs) in the third quarter the mavericks went on this 15 to 3 run to start the third quarter uh to get them you know all the way back to a tie game and that was huge for them the big change, and Maxi Kleba started in this game. We should mention that. The starting lineup was Luca, yeah. Tim Hardaway Jr., Dorian Finney-Smith, Maxi, and Dorian. I already said Dorian. Uh, Dwight Powell. This is the, a bigger lineup. Basically, the only two bigs besides Boban you know, that the Mavericks have. And starting these guys against the Sixers is necessary because they still, even with Embiid out, they start Horford and Mike Scott together. Then they have Tobias, who's like 6'10", and Ben Simmons, who's like 6'10". And Josh Richardson is 6'6". This is a huge lineup. And so the Mavericks had to combat that with their own huge lineup. You can't throw out DeLon out there. It just messes up, you know, with the the size matching up against that team. So they start the two big men, and those guys play so well together, and they fit well together. The best three-man lineup in the in the Dallas Mavericks is what, Isaac Harris? Right now, according to net Oh, rating, gosh. The best one. Uh, The best one? Yep. I feel like I looked this up a while back. Like, what's the qualifier for minutes, though? I think I did like a hundred. I think I did 150 minutes, but it's like okay, a good amount of minutes. I mean, I want okay. Well, I I'll just guess Luca, KP, and, and Dorian. It's, it's Luca and Dwight and Maxi. Those three together have the best hmm. net rating right now as far as a three man lineup that have played at least 150 minutes. That's I mean, that's interesting to me. But those two big men just play really well together. Luca obviously makes both of them better. 
and um, that was huge for them in the, in the, going into that second half. Uh, Maxi, this is the big change, though. Maxi was starting. Let's go, Maxi. And he took Ben Simmons. At the beginning of the game, they had Luka guarding Ben Simmons, and then in the third quarter, they mm-hmm. changed it, and uh, Luka was or Maxi was guarding Simmons. Luka went to Mike Scott or Matisse Tybel or whoever was like the fifth guy there, and Maxi did an insane job on Ben Simmons. Yeah, them electing to go with with Max in the starting unit, like you said, was uh, interesting because you know they've thrown different guys in there. It was JJ, Delon Wright, whoever it is, and we actually mentioned it uh, the pod. I think it was the pod before this one of saying, "Hey, they haven't really went big yet with that yeah. um, Porzingis replacement. They haven't really started Max with Dwight, and you know they did. And yeah, the big change was that second half and putting Maxi on Ben Simmons. We see them. This is kind of the versatility that Maxi gives you that. You know, when you have somebody like Dorian, Dorian can guard, you know, a lot of these threes in the league, some of the fours, but Dorian's also quick enough to where he can guard some of the ones. Maxi's kind of like the bigger version of Dorian to where he has the versatility yeah. and he can switch off some guys, but he he does do well against these bigger forward guys like a Ben Simmons. You see him put him on Giannis sometimes. Tatum. Like this is yeah, Jason Tatum. This is the guy that they that they throw at, you know, these guys and Throwing him at Ben Simmons, I yeah, I loved it. I love some of the blocks he had. Um, I th- well, how many blocks did he finish with? I think he had three. I think he finished with three, but he had a lot more than that. <laughs> he altered a bunch of shots. Yeah, he had, yeah, three blocks. And I want to credit, um, and this goes to a conspiracy you have, I want to credit the second half, um, Maxie's big second half, due to the fact that his dad was in attendance. Oh, Dirk was there. Dirk was there <laughs> first row. How did I not mention uh, this yet? <laughs> with Mark Cuban. And I'm just when I saw Dirk, my heart like my heart just warms. It was such I didn't get a chance to make it to the first game that Dirk made it to this year. Mm. So this was the first time I've seen Dirk in a Mavs game in person. And I, I, my heart was just it skipped a beat. Dirk's third Dirk. game in attendance of the year and his second game in the oh, AAC. Yeah. Uh, our over under was ten and a half. We're nearly halfway through this through the season, and we're only at three right now. So my under hey, is that board bet on a uh, Boban three pointers though. <laughs> I have the under on that one. That one's looking pretty good. Uh, the Boban three pointers one is over under ten yeah. three pointers made right now. He's at two, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, two in a two games in a row though. So hey. We're looking, we're looking good on that one. But yeah, Dirk was in attendance, so Maxi was playing well. He had to had to play well for pops. So, uh, man, that's a throwback joke that I hope people will understand is a joke. It's not actually his dad. I uh, always Maxi also <laughs> tried to take a life in this game. Oof! And I think we should just take a moment to Norvell Pell. I told I you about you him are. before. I told you about him you before. Did. He's a springy guy. He's gonna try to block shots, and he went and tried to block that shot. That, Man, Maxi just he cocked back. And I was just, like, "Is this nineteen-year-old Amir Johnson out there?" And <laughs> I was just kept on staring. And but yeah, I it was thought the hair. Maxi it was almost the hair that makes him look like Amir Johnson. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, man. Maxi went up for that dunk, and the whole bench just came up. And but uh, yeah, you can't praise Maxi's game enough. What would, I don't know what his final plus minus end up being. Well, plus minus in this game is kind of thrown off, but. He was um, plus 28, a team high plus 28. Yeah. Um, there you after go. That, after that dunk attempt, though, that he ended up missing, 
they cut to Dirk and they did not show Maxi at all. The broadcast just had Dirk the whole time. And he was just, he was just sitting there like, Oh, kind of with his, you know, <laughs> surprise look on his face. But all those Maxi dunk attempts never look like they're, they, all, they always look short, right? It's like, it's like he's never going to get there. Yeah. Is he going to get to the rim? Okay. He did get to the rim. Yeah. Maxi was huge in this game. And this is, this Maxi game is a reason why you have to watch the games. You can't just look at the box scores and have a take. Right, your your take is discredited. Yeah. You say, "Oh, Maxi didn't have that great of a game. Like three blocks is fine, but ten points, eight boards. You know, for a starter playing just about thirty-one minutes. You know, pedestrian. Maxi had a great game kind, in this game. Kind of like Lakers fans trying to say, "Hey, these are the free throw attempts, and you can't complain yeah. about foul calls, yeah, yeah. and you didn't like really watch the game." But that's totally true. All right, can we have a talk about Ben Simmons? Because <laughs> let's get into it, Matt. Maxi played him really well, and I mean, like, it was amazing. But it's just a fascinating experience watching Ben Simmons because you watch him in the first half, and really just it throughout the game, and you see these sporadic plays. They're like, dang, man, you're so athletic. You're so skilled defensively. You're so, yeah. like, get him on a fast break. He's amazing. Awesome, man. You, you can dunk it crazy. Awesome, dude. Great job. But... This is the stuff like stuff when it comes playoff time the how neutralized he is in the half court is just amazing to me at this point in his career. And the fact that some people can still watch Ben Simmons and say that he is better than Luca or some of these other guys in the league is just ludicrous to me because I mean, what did he finish the night with? He finished the night with 11 points and I get That's what he, know, had he had 11 assists. Exactly. And I'm like <laughs> How, without Embiid, this is when you take over. This is when you run your show. This is when the system should be going through you. And I just, I don't get it. I don't understand. I don't know if it's a coaching thing. I'm not as plugged into the Sixer stuff, obviously. But I just don't understand at this point in his career how he's not taking more shots, how he's not more comfortable in in the half court. And it just baffles me. I don't get it. Ben Simmons is like a case study in if you just had one of the most athletic, you know, great players and you said, all right, you're going to go through your career. Okay, no, it's like this. So Little Mermaid, right? The Little Mermaid has Ursula Ursula, and she she has this deal for Ariel and she's like, okay, you want to go be with your man. He's a human. You're a mermaid. All right. So to go up there and to be with him, I'm going to take your voice. But then you can have legs, and I'll give you legs, and you can go up there, and you'll have lungs, apparently, because they didn't really mention that. But she has lungs and legs, and you can go up and be with your man, but you won't have your voice. You'll go up there, and you have to get the job done without your voice. Now, if you get it, then maybe... Now, if you get the man, then maybe I'll give you your voice back. Of course, she goes back on a deal, blah, 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 Disneyville, and all that stuff. You can watch the movie, no spoiler alerts for how it ends. But it's almost like that's what happened with Ben Simmons, is like, he... Was given this great power, said, okay, you're going to be good at literally everything. Passing, defense, you know, running, you know, tra- transition, jumping, all that stuff. However, you're not going to be able to take jumpers. And it's not just about the three-point shot either. People freak out about him taking three-point shots. He doesn't take mid-range jumpers. He doesn't take, he doesn't really even yeah. take floaters that much. He doesn't take anything outside of the paint. And it's crazy to watch a basketball player that's so Not even skilled. outside the paint, but... Outside fast breaks. Yeah. Like, that's the scary thing yeah. about it is he, he hardly ever shoots. He, like, he, he'll just, do post-ups every once in a while. He'll get on, he'll get somebody on a post-up, yeah. but he passed out of a Jalen Brunson post-up. Like, he was posting up on Jalen Brunson and passed out of it several times in that second half. And 
it's fascinating to watch a player like that. It would be maddening to cover that team every single day. I think I've oh my god, I've been tracking the games that I'm watching. I've watched nine Sixers games so far this year, start to finish, and it, he just disappears from so many games. But man, he just has he be has a fan all of the, that team. He has all the talent in the world, though. That's the thing is that that, that would be so maddening to watch him every single game. But yeah, he, he's and like a little I, mermaid. I like, like what's the what's the answer now? Because For I them, feel like. I've been in well, I, I'm for like just Ben Sim. I mean, I'm still in the camp. I've been in this camp a long time that they got to split the two. Like you got it, you got to trade yeah. one of them and probably Ben Simmons. But I've been in the camp for so long that he is such a talent that I think he could work in. You know, put him on a system, put him on a team. You know, similar to what Milwaukee does with Giannis, and have a team kind of like Lamar Jackson, all that stuff, and say, "Hey, let's just gonna we're gonna build our whole system around you, shooters, and all the roster moves and everything is to maximize you because you're a unique talent." But I'm kind of shifting away from that of saying, "Well, dang, is he just a Draymond type? Like, is that is the, literally?" I mean, I heard Rosillo throw that. You know, Ryan Rosillo talking about, "Hey, I think him in the Draymond type of role." You know, with a like Golden State system, like I'm kind of leaning more towards that now. It's where is that his role instead of a you know Giannis light role on a team like the Pelicans or something like that? I don't know. I'm gonna do the talking head, you know, terrible take kind of thing here. Oh, here we go. He doesn't Just have don't the, be Colin Coward because he's a clown. I'm going. I used to love Colin Coward, and a big part of my life, you know, there's a big moment in my life that happened when I went to go see Colin Coward, you know, live. Um, so I'll always have a special place a in my heart for Colin Cowherd, but this, this is an NBA Colin Cowherd take. Ben Simmons does okay. not have the killer instinct. That's what you need. Second half of this game, sure. the the Mavericks are are putting the throat to the neck. What's the the Jeff Skin Wade quote? And Ben Simmons didn't step up for him, right? Like he didn't step up for them when when he when he needed to in that moment. And he, he does that, you know, it seems like he does it over and over again. It's the, I think it's the killer instinct. And, you know, it's, it's an overused trope, you know, that talking heads use for guys. But, you know, and we, I'm, we heard it with Dirk for years and years. But Ben Simmons just doesn't, he just doesn't have it. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm right there with you. And it's just, it's weird. And you say, hey, why, why are we talking about Ben Simmons so much? It's just, he's such a unique talent. It, it is. And it's just a weird thing to watch because... I watched him warm up. I sat there courtside, watched him warm up. I'm like, dang, this dude. I mean, in the, like the him take taking shots. I saw him take like long twos. Um, a step. But he could have, I came out there uh, probably like midway through his workout, I guess. But he's so big. He's so tall. He's so athletic. And then just watch him defend Luka and stuff and the passes he makes. It's just, I, I don't get it. Like who who's going to have the better career, him or Lonzo? You know? Oh like, come on! <laughs> I'm kidding. Lonzo has He's been putting up numbers Lonzo. though. Lonzo's really been putting up he numbers has. recently, and the, the Pelicans are all of a sudden competent with Derek Favors back. So, uh, all right, coming up, let's get into these some of these numbers Isaac and I were diving into about the Mavericks experience because some of them really stuck out to me. We're just looking at the top seven teams in the West. So coming up, let's look into those numbers. All right, Isaac, you and I went through some of these numbers today. And we just wanted to look at average age among rotation players. So for the the Rockets, we just looked at like their top eight because that's really the only players they use. For the Mavericks, we did a top nine. We included Brunson along with DeLon, Seth Curry, Maxi, Hardaway, Dwight, Dorian, Porzingis, and Luca. We dis we didn't include Justin Jackson or JJ Barea because they're or or Boban even. They seem like situational players at this point. 
we gave the Nuggets 10 players. They have a bunch of players. But the, the Rockets, we only gave eight. I think everyone else got nine or ten. And then we took an average of their age, their experience in the NBA, and then the the amount of um, players that have had playoff experience or, or any kind of playoff experience really at all. And the Mavericks are the second youngest team on average among the rotation, among the top seven teams in the West right now, the, the teams that are above 500, the ones that are com- competing right now. They're, they have an average age of 25.7. The Thunder are the only team that's younger than them, and that's because they have like Darius Baisley that plays for them a lot. Um, at the end of their bench, Shea Gilgis Alexander plays a bunch for them. Terrence Ferguson, my guy, Hamadou Diallo, like those are four guys that are twenty or nineteen to twenty-one that are all in their rotation. Uh, they're a super young team right now, and they're only going to get younger with all these draft picks. But that's the only team that's younger than them among this top seven. The only team, man. <laughs> The team with the least amount of experience, though, in the NBA on average is the Mavericks. This, this is the key for me. With 3.3 years. So, here, I'll just read it out to you. Um, most experience among the top seven in the West, the Lakers, they average 9.1 years. <laughs> they're players. Nine years. They, essentially, their team is just full of guys that have been in the league for almost a decade. I mean, that's that's just wild on yeah. average. LeBron obviously brings that up. Uh, like Jared Dudley obviously brings that up a lot. But actually, we didn't even put him in the rotation, so no, he doesn't. Um, no. But Rondo and LeBron bring that up a lot. Next is the Rockets at seven point six years on average. The Clippers at six point four. The Utah Jazz five point six years on average in the NBA. The Nuggets at five years in the NBA on average. Then the Thunder with four point seven years, and then the Mavericks with three point three. I mean, that's just such a drop off. Think about the top with the Ma- with the Lakers at nine point one, and then the other guys at basically five, and then the Mavericks there at three. I mean, three years on average. Now, Luca's been in the, year, the league two years. We put Brunson; he's been in the league two years. Like you know, that's bringing them down a lot. And they have experience in other ways. You know, Brunson was a four year college player, three four year college player. Luca, you know, has been a pro for a long time. But in the NBA, three years on average—that's huge. It's the least amount among the contenders in the West. Yeah, you know, this little project that we, we did, it came about because we have been a big proponent of when we talk about future trades for Dallas, at some point, bringing in a veteran to be a part of this rotation. And I think a case in point is looking at, look at what happened in New Orleans. The moment that they inserted Derek Favors. Derek Favors is not an all-star. He's not, you know, all this stuff. The moment they put Derek Favors in that starting unit, for Jackson part of that Hayes. rotation... Yeah, for Jackson, it changed everything. And they went on this winning streak. They're playing better basketball. You even hear some people talking. I was just in the locker room the other day talking to uh, Tim McMahon. He's about to go to Memphis and all this different stuff. And we're talking about this Grizzlies team. And we're talking about the importance of Valanchunas and Jay Crowder and these vets, a part of a rotation with a bunch of young guys. And there's something about when you have vets that have been there, that have done that, they know what to do, they know where to be, they know the roles to play, all this different stuff. Now, say this in two two different reasons why we wanted to point this out is because one, looking at future trades, what type of veteran can we can we put into this rotation, and in two, hold up on the expectations a, a, just a tad because when you look at, I mean, the top team in the league right now is the Lakers, and like you said, they average not their rotation averages nine years of experience. <laughs> they have one, two, three, four, five players that have played over ten years. And then you look at the you look at the Mavericks, this you know, experience one, three, three, five, six, two, five, four, one. 
I mean, Tim Hardaway's your most experienced player in the league with six years as far as this rotation goes. We're not, like we say, we're not counting J.J. Bray in this because he's just kind of hit or miss when he's going to play. But the Mavericks have such a young rotation experience-wise that I think it does affect some of these late-game things. I think it does affect clutch moments. I think it will affect them when it comes into the playoffs. So at some point, whether it's this season, next season, or whatever it is, trying to combat the, hey, we're going to have a young roster and some of these young pieces, but also surround them with some vets that have been there, done that. You know that That's the type of combination you got to figure out at some point. And you know, even looking at the Nuggets, it's crazy looking at the Nuggets. Just playoff experience. Do you want to talk about the playoff experience? Yeah, play, playoff experience for the um, for teams. I just took I put how many playoff games they had played, and then if they had been in the playoffs, you know, for a season or so. Uh, the Nuggets. Every single player in their rotation has been in the playoffs because they were all there last year. Uh, I guess Michael Porter Jr. isn't in this, but it, we're not really sure exactly how it's going to shake out with him. Um, if he's going to be in their rotation or not, he should be, but that would be one player that hasn't had experience. Um, but like Paul Millsap has been in the playoffs 10 times. <laughs> Mason Plumlee has been there four times. Yeah. These guys have all played since they went to the you know second round. They've all played at least 14 playoff games. You know, that's a, that's a lot of experience right there. That's, that's two series that they got to get up for, that they had to prepare for, get ready for be in situational moments. Like there's so many things that go into that. And, um, so I took how many players have any kind of playoff experience, just anything. I know it's not you know a great method of figuring out who has experience, but the thunder or the the Nuggets have the most in their rotation with ten players. They also have ten players in their rotation. Uh, the Clippers have nine. The Lakers have two guys that don't, so they have eight players with experience. Kuzma and Caruso have not been in the playoffs yet. Then you have uh, Utah has eight players in the rotation with playoff experience, which counts Jordan Clarkson, which I discovered which I'd watched most all these games. He played 15 he played 15 or 14 games in the 2018 playoffs with the Cavs. He even played in the finals and I do not remember any of that. But even he's been in the playoffs and been in the finals. The Thunder have eight players as well. The Rockets have seven players with playoff experience. The only one that doesn't was Ben McLemore. The Mavericks have four players in their rotation with playoff experience. Four. That's it. That means they have five players in their rotation without playoff experience. Now, Luka, obviously, has been has been in a lot of big games. Porzingis has been in big games of his own inter- internationally and stuff, and Maxi as well. But those guys don't have any playoff experience. Dorian Finney-Smith hasn't been in the playoffs. Uh, Jalen Brunson, those five guys. Now, it's kind of funny that those five guys I wouldn't worry about in a, play- <laughs> in a playoff series. They don't have any experience. But it just goes to show this the stark difference in the numbers to show the Mavericks are, you know, more players in their rotation have not been to the playoffs in the NBA than have been. Yeah, the player with the most playoff experience as part of the rotation. <laughs> and we're counting the rotation as the starting five and then Maxi, Seth, DeLon, and Jalen Brunson. So nine deep in the rotation. Player with the most playoff experience out of those nine players in the rotation, DeLon Wright with 28 games. He's been like, there three times. <laughs> that, and I, I know the counter to that is, well, all right, well, we got to get there, and then once we get there this year, then everybody will have playoff experience. 
Exactly right. True. And that's why that's why I think we have to temper our expectations a little bit on what you expect from some of these role players, what you expect in some of these clutch time situations, what you're going to expect when the playoffs come around, and if the Mavericks don't make it out of the first round and people are calling for people's heads and all this stuff, you know, we just gotta tone it down a little bit as far as expectations and understand. This is one of the youngest teams when it comes to these best teams in the Western Conference. And just the fact that the average experience on this team, as far as rotation-wise, is a little over three years. It They have a lot of room to grow. Absolutely. And going back to you talking about the Mavericks need to add a, you know, you know, a veteran. This team is a lot like that young Thunder team with Westbrook and you know Durant. Kind of even before Harden showed up, but I guess even with Harden, maybe Hardaway is Harden <laughs> in this analogy. But I know you don't like this guy, and neither really do I. But they need uh, to fi- they need to find their go. Kendrick Perkins on the court. I mean, for for everything he's been as a media person, he was a a good role player for them, uh, and he had been to the yeah. finals. He had won a finals with the the Celtics. He had been there. They don't have a guy that has been there on this team besides JJ Barea, but he's not in. You know, he doesn't start. He's not really in the rotation. They need somebody else. I think that plays that's on the court that has been there before. Yeah, and to play these clutch situations and stuff. Kendrick but Perkins listen, isn't JJ... doing anything, so maybe he can step back on the court. Oh gosh, he can set a screen listen, still, right? <laughs> JJ Barea, Courtney Lee, like these guys are are great locker room guys. Yeah. And Huge. they're great. You know, everybody loves them. But there's a difference between having somebody that is a locker room vet like that and is playing big minutes in the rotation. That's why when when people throw out the Andre Iguodala, that's a, that's why I'm still in favor of saying, hey, for the right price, I'm down to th- to make a rental of Andre Iguodala, even though you know he's going to go to Golden State this summer or one of the LA teams. I think what you could get from Andre Iguodala off the court in this locker room on the you know, like even in a playoff series that would be infect, infectious to everyone you know in that rotation. I think it would pay dividends to this team, and he would be a part of the rotation playing these big clutch moments. And yeah, I, it's that type of situation that. I'm watching out whether it's this trade deadline or ne- or this coming summer of how can you it's not just about finding people to to fit the timeline because we hear that all the yeah. time of like all right well this guy what he's around this age range of Luke and KP at some point you got to get experience in a vet in this rotation. The Mavs did a great job of the timeline thing this summer. They added pieces that were, were on the timeline, yeah. DeLon Wright, Seth Curry adding, you know, keeping Dorian, keeping Maxi. You know, those are great guys they added to you know, added and kept to keep on the timeline. Now they have to get somebody that's an outlier from the timeline that actually, you know, boosts them up in a way. So there you go. Anything else you want to say about the experience thing? We'll continue working on this and we'll bring out some more numbers among, you know, the entire league. And I, I'm wondering if the Mavericks rotation is maybe the least experienced in the entire league after we saw this. I know. Now we kind of want to expand our, uh, our research on this, but I think Vince Carter uh, might take the Hawks out of the running. That's the only, that's the only team I can think of that might be less experienced. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Vince Vince is 20 years, 22 years might take him out. I don't know if Vince is, is Vince a part of the rotation all the time? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Uh, two things I want to end the pot on one Check out uh, my Boban piece uh, for Mavs.com. It's it's out today on Monday. So uh, I enjoyed doing that, talking to the team about Boban. And then two, I haven't even mentioned this to you. If we could put a link in the bio. Before <laughs> the game, 
uh, before the game uh, on what I guess was Saturday night uh, with the uh, Sixers, uh, Ryan Brokoff, Ben Simmons, mm, yeah. Jonah Bolden addressed the addressed the crowd at halftime. Uh, all Australian. They they talked about how you can donate, how you can give relief to really the whole country of Australia right now and the fires that's going on over there. Uh, I think the last tally I've seen there's 20, it's claimed 27 lives. It's affecting uh, animals, everything uh, that's going on in Australia. It's just, it's brutal and it's devastating. Uh, we hate it. And instead of us talking about it all the time and tweeting about it, you know, I love what broke off in them and raising awareness before the game. So, I think it's possible we can put the link in the bio to this. Yeah. If you can, go go to go to this link, give what you can. Let's let's help fight this. Let's come alongside Ryan Brokoff, Ben Simmons, and these guys. And we have listeners in Australia. We love you. We're praying for you. And uh any way, any small way that we can help through this pod, we would love to. Yeah, there you go. I'll put the link in the description as well as the link to Isaac's story. So you can go check those out. Click the link in the description of this podcast. Guys, we'll be back tomorrow. Thanks so much for listening to Lockdown Maps. Peace out. Boom. Boom.